Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Well, I am fired up today. I don't know if you're excited about giving the gospel, but I am, okay? Are you excited? Yeah. Amen. In Philadelphia online, we love you. Um, I, you know, we, as pastor said, this is the final message and we are talking about giving the gospel. It's one thing to learn the gospel. It's one thing to live the gospel, but we do that so that we can give the gospel. Amen. So, um, I'm a little bit torn this morning because I found out that the Chicago Bulls are actually going to be playing the 76ers. Uh, I think it's this coming week, and so we're, we're, we have a real tension here because we have one church in two cities but two basketball teams. I'm not sure what to do about that. Um, you know, I actually have, I, I've got a jersey here. Um, so anybody, maybe you know who this is. Uh, it's a guy, Michael Jordan, perhaps you've heard of him. Uh, you know, the, a lot of people, a lot of people like to uh, hearken back to the days um, when the Bulls were really good, really, really good, and um, I, I'm pretty sure that the 76ers are are gonna win, but we don't know, we don't know, okay? Um, but you know, I, I thought about how we we just love to uh, cheer on sports teams, you know. I was born in Denver. I'm a Denver Bronco fan. Yeah, it's okay. I don't. That's fine. You know, a lot of Super Bowls. That's fine. Um. Uh. But you know, we 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 love to cheer on our teams, right? We love to wear the jersey. This jersey it belongs to Daniel Alvarez, uh, and you could tell he's worn this a lot. And we love. We love to wear the gear. We'll even support the team financially by going to the games and buying the popcorn and all that stuff, right? We know the stats. You know who's gonna win most of the time. You know the, the, the new players that are gonna be recruited. You, we, we are able to understand the defense right? We're able to understand what kind of offense they're going to be running. Uh, we know the history of the team. And if someone asks you who you're rooting for, you're all excited about it. And here's the, here's the thing, right? I love that. I love that. I think that sometimes that's how we are in the kingdom. Sometimes in the kingdom, we are these amazing fans that, I mean, like, I mean, who doesn't love Michael Jordan, right? Come on. Even if you're not a Bulls fan, even if you think that LeBron James is good, you still have to respect Michael Jordan. You know what I'm saying? And, and so everybody, everybody can, can, can understand that. They can get with that. And I think it's easy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's my guy. I love Jesus. I'm a big fan. I, I, I got the church merch, you know? I'm wearing, I, I got the, I, I'm all about it. I, I love, you You know, I've got a great church and I go to Chicago Tabernacle or Philly Tabernacle or, 
or wherever. And you know, I'm all about it. You know what? I even give. I, I, I do that too. I do it all. I, I do all of the things. But today, I, I want to tell you something. There's a difference between being a fan for a team and being on the team. There, there's a difference. You see, because you and I, we were never called to be fans. We're called to get in the game. We're called to get in the game. And I, and I want to tell you something. You might say, well, I don't know, Pastor David. You know, you're a pastor. That's what you do. You know, you're like a professional Christian. And, um, but that's not how it is for me. I don't know if I'm, if I'm really that good, but I, I want to tell you something. That the reality is, is that no one in all of human history is as good as you are at your position. There will never be another you to preach the gospel. And I believe that God has ordained, I know it. Because it says in Ephesians 2.10 that God has ordained good works for you to do. He has ordained them for you to walk in them in advance. God has ordained a unique gospel declaration to come from your life. You know why? Nobody has your illustrations. Nobody has your stories. Nobody has your history. And nobody has your anointing. And there are people in the world that only are going to hear the gospel from you. In Philadelphia, I want you to know that Philadelphia needs your voice. So why is it that we often don't get in the game? I'll tell you. I believe it's because there's a fear of rejection. You know what I'm talking about? You know that feeling when you go to talk to someone and then like you're talking about everything else, like you're talking about the job, the economy. I mean, you can even talk about politics and everything's good. And then it's like, let's talk about Jesus. And all of a sudden your heart starts to pound and you get like embarrassed for some reason. You're like, man, I'm really not embarrassed when I'm at church, but right now I'm embarrassed. I don't know why. I get this way. I, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm about to say something. Don't mess this up. You know, like. And, 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 and we, get, we get embarrassed. Why? Because there's this fear of being rejected. Uh, oftentimes, we don't know. We don't know if this person is going to receive what we're saying. We don't know if they understand uh, our heart. They don't, we don't know. We don't know if they know the difference between a Christian and someone that is like waiting for a meteor to come by and is about to drink poison. We don't know if they understand what we are about. We're afraid that we're going to be rejected. You know, people all over the world, some people, they're actually fully rejected and they could be killed for sharing their faith. Some people are, uh, they, they, they get to a place where um, their, their entire families reject them. I, I had the chance to go to uh, Lebanon and we were talking to some believers from Syria and I was talking to them and, and they were saying, you know, I was really afraid to become a Christian and here's why. Because I knew that my kids would never get married. Think about that. 
they were afraid to become a Christian because if they became a Christian, no one in that community would ever marry their children. That's pretty weighty. Rejection is a big deal, but here in the States, it's probably not that intense. But it doesn't mean that there's not rejection. It doesn't mean that your coworker is not going to lose respect for you. It doesn't mean that now your, your, your boss is, is not gonna understand where you're coming from. It doesn't mean that your friends are going to accept you the same way. All of us have a fear of rejection. You know, I, I know actually a little bit about rejection. Um, I asked my wife out the first time. Some of you know this story. Those in Philadelphia, uh, I asked my wife out. My wife is amazing, way out of my league. And I asked her out the first time and I got rejected. But I asked her out the second time and I got rejected. But the third time, I also got rejected. But you know what? Eventually, my wife came around. And you might say, well, why in the world would you risk rejection? Because I, you know, I know that you've risked rejection before. Some of you have gone after jobs that you don't deserve. Why? Because you knew the paycheck is worth the rejection. Some of you have gone after relationships that are way out of your league. Why? Why did I do it? I did it because I knew if Susie said yes, it was worth all the rejection in the world. Can I get an amen? And I want to tell you something. I think that what's happened is we've forgotten the reward. We've forgotten what actually happens if somebody says yes. You see, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting a message. You don't have to worry about them rejecting it. In fact, in the kingdom, even if you get rejected, you still win because your job is to deliver a message. It's not for them to accept you. But when we, when we take that risk and we say, even if they reject me, even if they hate me, it's still worth it because what if they don't and what if they say yes? What if they say yes? What if Chicago says yes? What if Philadelphia says yes? What if they say yes? What if they say, you know what? God's been doing something in my life. I wanna look at a passage today about someone who said yes, who said, God, I'm here, I'm ready to be used. Are you ready to be used today? I'm gonna need better than that. Are you ready to be used today? Okay. Maybe you uh, were given this book when you walked in here and in Philadelphia. If you're watching online, uh, you can go to our website. We have a digital copy of this book. And this book is gonna be a tool that we wanna give you to use. Uh, it's, it's a book where you can actually uh, give the gospel, you could use this book to give the gospel, but it's really for you to track and to believe God for the people that he's placed in your life. So today, as we go through this text, we're gonna go through this text, but we're gonna walk through these different steps. If you open up that book, 
uh, on the second uh, or the third page there, it says, I commit to use this book to identify, intercede, approach, decision, and nurture. And so I want, we're gonna go through this and, and this is basically the outline for today. And my goal today is to give you a roadmap on how to give the gospel. It, it's, to, it's to give you a new framework of living so that you can be a declarer of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what you're called to, amen? amen. So Jesus, right now, I pray remove all fear of rejection in Jesus' name. I pray, oh God, Lord, that just like Jesus, before he looked at the cross, that for the joy set before him, he endured the agony of the cross. Lord, for the joy set before us, may we endure whatever comes our way, and may we proclaim the good news of Jesus until you come. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and power. May our words carry weight. May they cut like a sword. May they cut, oh God, into the deepest parts of who people are because they are not our words, but they are your words. Give your people boldness and open our hearts to hear your word this morning. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn with me, Acts chapter 9, verse 10. I want to read a story about Ananias. And it says in verse 10, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Everybody say, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man and how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. May it be in our day, Lord. I... I want us to go through this, and I want us to look at what does it look like to actually see someone come into the kingdom. And the first thing that I want to point out is that there was an identification that took place. The first step is to identify. I, I want to tell you something. Did you know God is working? God is working. He's working in places that you would never imagine that he's working. In the places that you don't think he's working, that's probably the place where he's working the most. God is working. And I wanna, I wanna show you, you see Ananias, he, was, he, was, he received a vision 
And the Lord says, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man named Saul, for behold, he is praying. You know what's amazing about that to me? Is that God really already did all the work on Paul. He just asked Ananias to be a part of it. I want to tell you something. When you identify someone to minister to, and, and this could be a short process, this could be a long process. It could take 10 years to witness to someone. It could take two minutes to witness to someone. We don't want to limit what God does. But when you participate with what God is doing, you're going to see God at work. Jesus said, I do only what I see my father doing. Do you know how to identify someone? Here's how you do it. You look for what God is doing. How do you do that? You ask, God, what are you doing? Help me to see it. And you know, sometimes you don't even have to ask because your heart is already moved. You ever been in a situation and all of a sudden you feel compassion for someone? What do you think that is? That's the Holy Spirit. You don't have to second guess that. You don't have to be a weirdo to know the Holy Spirit moves you. You don't have to wonder if God is doing something with you. You see, what we have to do is we have to recognize and we have to see what the Holy Spirit is already doing. I, I was in a Starbucks not too long ago and I was writing and, and I was doing some work and it was like in the lobby of a hotel. And so I'm doing my work and the, the store's shutting down and there's one person working the Starbucks. And, um, and so I was like, oh, they don't stand a chance. They're gonna have to talk to me because there's no one else here. No distractions, right? That's why I love going in Ubers because they're trapped, you know? They're trapped. So, so anyways, so I said, oh, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What are you doing in this person's life? And, and I felt like God said, you know, they're concerned about their kid's education. I'm like, well, that's kind of specific. And I'm like, I probably made that up, you know, like, uh, I, I, you know, my wife and I talk about education a lot. My wife wants to do a school. So there's like a lot of, we talk about a lot of different things in education. So I'm like, oh, I probably made that up. But I was like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I could be wrong and then I could say, hey, well, God loves you and I'll pray for her. So, so I went and I said, hey, um, you know, I was just praying and, and I, I, I believe that God, uh, do you have, do you have kids that are really smart? And then, uh, and then the second that I say that, I'm like, what a stupid question to ask a mom. It's like, what is she going to say? No? Like, it's like, nah, my kids, meh, you know, it's like, so I was like, oh man, this is starting off great, you know, and I'm, so I'm like kind of thrown off and she's like, um, well, yeah, yeah, my kids are smart. I'm like, okay, okay, let's start over. I'm like, can, well, are, are you concerned about your kids' education? I, I felt like your kids are really intelligent, but you're worried about getting them into the right school. And she says, actually, yeah, she's like, my son is trying to become a lawyer and he's trying to get into law school and he's really worried about it. It's like, yes. 
It's like, God speaks. I was like, well, I believe that God wants to take care of your son. I believe that God has a plan for you and your family and God's gonna take care of it. That's why, I, I'm assuming that's why he told me. And, and it wasn't, you could tell that she's like, oh, okay, cool. You know, she wasn't like really moved by anything. I was like, okay, well, I said, hey, well, can, I, can I pray for you? And she says, yeah, sure. And so as I begin to pray for her, the Holy Spirit said, she's been praying and she's been questioning if God is real. I said, hey, have you been wondering if God is real? Have you been like questioning? And it, when I asked her that, the tears just started to fall. And she said, you know, I have, she's like, I got hurt in church when I was young. And I, I ran away from God and I haven't been in church. And she said, and honestly, the, the past season, I've just been, I've been kind of just walking away and I'm not really sure if God is real. And I want you to, she said, but I'm never gonna think that again. In that moment, because she saw something supernatural, she says, I don't have to doubt if God is real anymore because now he's talking to me. I, all of a sudden, was out of the equation because I'm just talking to her, I'm just praying for her, but God is ministering to her. I wanna tell you something. You wanna identify someone, find out what the Holy Spirit is already doing. You know, people are already praying. They're already wondering if God is on the move. And I wanna tell you something. God is at work in your workplace more than you realize. God is at work in your family more than you understand. God is on the move. I am telling you, revival is at our doorstep. God is on the move. So, we're gonna do something, I've, I've gotta move quick. Lord, help me. Listen, God is coming in power where you sow seeds of faith. You wanna know where God is on the move? How do you determine that? Throw lots of seed. What if the parable of the sower only sowed one seed? And we don't have time to get into it, but what if, what if he only sowed one seed and it fell on hard path? Maybe he would have thought, I'm not good at this, and quit. But he threw seed everywhere, and he saw where the seed was taking root. I want to encourage you, you're not going to find soft ground everywhere, so don't expect it. But throw lots of seed, because you don't know what's hard and what's soft. You don't know the work that God is doing in the background. So here's what I want you to do. Take out your book. There's a, there's a uh, flip a couple pages over. It says identify. Take out a pen right now. I want you to pray. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, who do you have for me? Write them down. If a name doesn't come to you immediately, that's okay. And you know what? There's going to be more. I, I believe but I believe that the Holy Spirit right now is telling people who he's been working on. Hallelujah. The next thing that happened, if you look in this text here, 
I love this. How, how many of you have ever heard God tell you to do something and then you went back to God with a better plan? Anybody? <laughs> You're kind of like, um, hey, go talk to that person. You're like, oh, well, Lord, perhaps you didn't notice. That person doesn't look very open. I don't think that they want to hear what I have to say. Um, this is exactly what Ananias did. Look at verse 13. It says, but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. You know, the next section for us is intercession, okay? So the next thing that we have to do is the first thing is identify. The second thing is we have to intercede. And I love what Ananias was doing here because intercession is not just about praying for that person, although that's definitely a part of it. Intercession is also about getting your heart in the right place. Sometimes we have to pray our heart into God's heart. We have to pray ourselves in alignment with what God is doing in a moment. You see, sometimes we see what that person is doing while God is seeing who they are to become. And we have to align our hearts and not be distracted by who they are today or their disposition today, but we have to believe in God for who they will become. When we pray, we could say, Lord, I have heard, but then God eventually says, go. When we pray, we align our hearts with what God is doing. You see, intercession enables you to see kingdom potential instead of personal cost. Intercession enables you to see kingdom potential instead of counting the personal cost. For Ananias, he was literally risking his life to go and obey. For you, maybe you're risking a reputation. Maybe you're risking a job. Maybe you're risking a friendship. But I want to tell you, the risk is worth it. The risk is worth it. And you know, the thing that's not required of us is acceptance of the message. The thing that is required is obedience. Success in the kingdom is not acceptance. It is obedience. So how do you pray? What do you pray? Here's what you pray. Pray that God would remove the scales from their eyes. I just love this story. God was working in Paul's life. Ananias had no clue. Ananias wasn't there when the light shone from heaven and Paul got knocked off his horse. The last thing Ananias heard about was that he was running around, Saul was running around, arresting Christians and throwing them in prison and torturing them and that he was even participating in killing them. That's the last thing that Ananias heard. And so when, when God said to Ananias, Ananias, go and talk to Paul, this was no small request, but God is really smart. You know, sometimes we think that we're kind of smart and we wonder, we're like, God, I, let me give you my unique perspective on this situation. <laughs> God is not looking for our opinion. He is looking for our obedience. He's looking for us to say yes.
And can I tell you, I have too many stories to tell of people that were not happy about me talking to them. Okay, just one. So I had, <laughs> I'm, in a, I'm in an Uber. The guy's trapped. He's from, he, I don't know, somewhere in Eastern Europe and he had a nice car and I get in the car and I'm talking to him. I'm like, hey man, this is a nice car. He's like, yeah, thanks, da, 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 da. And he was talking about his car. And I was like, hey, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and that he has a plan for your life? And he turned around to me and he's, he looked at me and he said, are you serious? And I, I was like, wow, I've never gotten that response specifically to that question. And he said, I said, uh, yeah, I'm serious. And then he went silent. He said, I'm not talking to this guy anymore. But the ride wasn't over. So I said, did that make you mad? And he didn't say anything again. And I said, well, let me just tell you. I said, God loves you. And he went to the cross and he died for you. And he loves you so much that he sent his only son and he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you will humble your heart and receive him, he'll come and he'll save you. The rest of the trip was also silent. But my job is not for him to accept it. My job is to be obedient to what God is doing. I, I don't know what God was doing in the background. And so all I can do is I can just say, pray. God, remove the scales from their eyes. So that's what I want to do right now. Take those people that you wrote in your book. Come on. Get your book. Right now, we're going to intercede. Holy Spirit, show us what you're already doing. Reveal to us by your Spirit how you're going to save the people that you've placed on our heart. We pray, oh God, along with Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. God, we pray that you would fulfill every resolve for good in our hearts and every act of faith. We pray, oh God, bring it to completion. We ask in the name of Jesus that because these names are written down, we believe that you have already that you have already uh, appointed them out to us, oh God. And so, Lord, we believe that you are at work in them. Holy Spirit, remove the scales from their eyes. Remove church hurt, oh God. Remove, oh God, Lord, wounds from fathers. We pray heal bodies, oh God. Resurrect dead dreams, oh God. We ask, oh Lord, that you would move in power in the people that we talk to. And Lord, that we would be in alignment with your heart, oh God, as you fulfill your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. The next thing that we have to do is we have to approach. You know, sometimes I think maybe especially in our church, we love to pray. Prayer meeting every Tuesday. 
there comes a moment where you have to approach. This is where your heart starts to beat. This is where all the fears come, and this is where the devil gets really active. You know, I want you to know, we do not wage a battle in the physical. We are waging a battle in the spirit, okay? We know this. And so when you go to give the gospel to someone, don't you know that all the devils that are, that are dealing with those people, they're like, oh, oh, wait, wait, oh, oh, oh boy, here we go. Hey, all the defense is up. Come on, distraction. Do a distraction. Hey, hey, uh, the, their coffee's ready now. Their coffee is ready. You know, like, there is all sorts of activity going on in the background. That's why we have to be clear-minded, full of the Holy Spirit. We have to be aware. Nothing is going to deter me from the task that the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. We have to move forward in faith. So when, when, we, when we approach someone, I want to just put this, I love this. In verse 17, it says, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying hands on him. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you're going to be really hard-pressed to find an example in the Bible where the gospel was preached and there were not signs and wonders that accompanied it. Did you know that you've been tasked with a supernatural work? Salvation is the greatest miracle. There's no greater miracle than salvation because it brings someone from spiritual death to spiritual life. But what I found is that before the scales fall off, they have to be quickened and awakened by something that doesn't make sense. You see, people need a demonstration of the gospel before they get an explanation of the gospel. The power of the Holy Spirit is in you. What separates you from every other religion in the world? You have power. Your God rose from the dead. The one that you're proclaiming is alive. There is something supernatural about what you bring to the table and no argument can disagree with it. No explanation can explain it away. If someone is sick and then they are healed, they have to deal with the fact that that is not possible. If someone receives information that it is impossible for you to know about them, guess what? They don't have an answer for that except God is here. I believe that when you approach someone, you are bringing not just a message, but a message with power. Paul, he said, I did not come to you with persuasive words or eloquent wisdom. I came to you with a demonstration of power. Why? So that your faith would not rest on man's wisdom, but God's power. You know, the way that someone gets saved is the way that someone stays. 
if you bring them with a, with a message that, you know what, your life is gonna be better and everything is gonna be easy, then guess what? When difficulty comes, they're out. If you bring to them something that is not bathed in power, then when life gets difficult and they see no other option, they run. But if someone is saved and they see the power of God at work, then no matter what comes, they say, I know my God is real. Even if it's difficult, I know he's real. Even if it's hard, I know, I know he's here. I wanna tell you something, I, I, I love this because you might be getting intimidated right now, but I wanna tell you, there's a lot of different ways to show the power of God. What does it look like? Forgiveness when revenge is ex expected. Generosity that goes beyond cultural norms. You could be generous, but it's like, oh, that's normal. No, 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 be super generous. Talking to someone that nobody wants to talk to. Love that goes beyond reciprocity. Showing compassion to someone who doesn't deserve it. The supernatural love and power of God is flowing through you and the Holy Spirit has so many different options for us to use. We were, uh, I, our CSL student, Chicago School of Leadership, it's a school where we train ministers here. Um, and it's, it's an amazing school. If you wanna be a part of it, come and talk to me. But uh, I love this because I had some new students and we were out on a ministry trip and I took him, we went to, uh, we went to dinner afterwards and we're sitting down and we're just having a good time. And then I said to him, I said, oh, okay, hey guys, um, I want you to pray because we're gonna, you're going to give, you, you are going to give this waitress a prophetic word. And they looked at me and they're like, is that how it works? Like... I said, well, hey, listen, if, if the Lord doesn't give you anything, that's okay, you don't, don't make it up, but you can at least encourage her. But I said, but we're gonna pray for that, we're gonna pray. And so they got nervous. I was just loving it. And they're praying, and they're saying, oh God. And would you believe the Lord gave them a word? Surprise, God wants to move. They began to pray and, and the, the waitress came up and they're, they're all nervous and they're, they're telling me, they're like, hey, I, I kind of feel like there's, the Lord wants to like protect her kids or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was. And, and, uh, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, well, let's, let's see and ask. You know, if, the, if you're off, then just apologize. She said, okay. So the student said, hey, um, we just feel like God wants to protect your kids. And she was like, wow, yeah, I have a newborn at home and I was kind of, I was a little bit anxious about that. And they said, well, we just wanna pray for you. And so they began to pray. Can I tell you something? It was so powerful. There was people looking around, the other people at the tables are like, what's happening over there? Why are they, why are they laying hands on that waitress, you know? It was beautiful. 
And they were praying for this waitress. And you know, my favorite part of that was that they were operating in the supernatural. And they said, God, we wanna show this woman that you're real. We don't wanna just say that you're real. We wanna show this woman that you're real. And we want her to know that you love her. God wants you to approach people with supernatural power, supernatural love, supernatural compassion, supernatural grace. God wants you to move. So when you approach people, I want you to take your books, write it down. Maybe the Holy Spirit right now is telling you something that you can approach them with. We're almost done. But there's ways that you can write it down right here, okay? Write it down. Final thing, excuse me, there's two more things. I'm gonna move fast though, it's gonna be like one, it's so fast. Final thing is decision. Ananias, I don't think that Paul needed much description of what was in the Bible, but I do know that Paul needed to repent and he needed to make a decision to follow Jesus. And Ananias was there for that moment. And you see, Ananias came and he said, Paul, because you've made a decision to rebel against God, you have to make a decision to repent to God. I wanna tell you, we can't just love people and pray for them and then say, God bless you and then, then walk away. We have to lead people to a point of decision. Tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised and you might be the last person that they see that knows Jesus. You, when you are with someone, it is important that you lead them to a place where they're able to accept Jesus for their self. They need to be able to make a decision. Do you know why? Because they made a decision to rebel against God. Now they need to make a decision to submit to God and to repent. We've throughout this series gone through how this works and so I'm not gonna go in detail how to give the gospel to someone but I do wanna, I do wanna just show you in the, at, at the back of this book, there's an illustration, it's the bridge illustration and it shows how sin has separated us from God and it shows how you can lead someone to understanding that Jesus is the bridge that connects us to the Father. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. You know, a lot of the times when I, when I talk to people, um, especially in America, a lot of the times people think that they're already a Christian. And so how do you deal with that? What do you do? Well, here's a couple of things that I do. I like to ask very specific questions. I don't ask, are you a Christian? Most people will say yes, but they don't understand what that means. So I like to say things like, um, have you put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Are you following Jesus with all your life and all your heart? Sometimes if you're not sure if people really understand the difference between following Jesus and, and understanding uh, uh, salvation by grace alone, one of the things that I like to ask them, I like to say, hey, um, if God were here right now and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to him? That question, it forces people to be able to say, 
well, I'm a good person. And if someone says I'm a good person, then you know that they don't understand that salvation is by grace. The only way into heaven, the only way into a relationship with God is because Jesus came and he forgave us of our sins. We enter by grace. We enter through the blood of Jesus, right? So when you ask people these questions, you can kind of draw out where they're actually at. And I wanna tell you something, the first time that you do this, it's gonna be probably pretty ugly. You know why? Maybe you've never done it before. Can I just release you of the pressure to be perfect? The Holy Spirit saves people, not you. So you don't have to worry about doing it perfect. You just have to obey. You just, you just obey. So what does it look like? Hey, you know what? This is what Jesus did for me. This is my testimony. This is my story. And this is the book also gives a, a rundown of how to write out your own testimony. This is, my, this is my testimony. Share your testimony with them. Say, would you like to have a relationship with Jesus? And guess what? A lot of the times, most of the time, I found people say, yes. And when you do, you just say, hey, can we pray? And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. We're gonna do that. But once they get saved, because we believe that they will, come on somebody. The next thing that we have to do is we have to nurture people in. You know, these are new babies. Why, why did God call Ananias to go and minister to Paul? Why? Do you know why? Because Ananias was connected to a community of believers. Ananias was a part of a family. God did not want Paul to be an orphan trying to find his own way. He wanted him to be in a family with people that were able to nurture him and encourage him, baptize him, and help him grow in his walk with God. And you might be saying, well, I just need someone to disciple me. Can I, can I just tell you, grow up. Grow up. Yes, I need someone to help me in my walk with God too. I'm not saying that you don't, but you know what you also need to do? You need to disciple someone. You need to bring someone along. It's time that the people of God stop looking at themselves as eternal infants. We need to grow into people that are raising other people up. We have to say, it's my job to disciple. And what you do is you bring them along and here's how you do it. You bring them along and what do you know? Do you know how to read your Bible? Show them how to read your Bible. Do you know how to pray? Teach them how to pray. Do you know how to go to church? Bring them to church. Whatever you have, give it to them. You don't have to be perfect. You can still sin and disciple someone. I'm not recommending sinning, I'm just saying. You're not gonna be perfect, but you gotta bring them along. 